Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I had a very traumatizing nightmare last night. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, so the last story that I told was the kidnapping story. Mm-hmm. And then I just started this book on my Kindle uh, two nights ago. And it's called Family Money. And I'm not very far into it, just a couple chapters. And the first, very first part of the book is there's this family out doing like charity work at an orphanage in um, Mexico. Uh-huh. And it's like this dad, mom, their two kids, and his in laws. And they go into town, the dad and the father in law to get groceries to make some big meal or Mm -hmm. something and he's checking out or whatever and he's like walking out of the store and he looks out and his father-in-law is getting kidnapped oh my god and that's how the book starts (laughs) (laughs) so anyway i had a nightmare about being kidnapped (laughs) of course it was horrible so i was on my way to go watch michael wrestle Mm mm-hmm but it was at some, it was like at a high school, like similar to how whenever I go watch my niece and nephew wrestle, uh-huh. <laughs> it's at a school. <laughs> and uh, I was walking by a Taco Bell and I decided to stop and use their bathroom. <laughs> and whenever I walked out, this guy was like waiting for me. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh shit. And I got really scared. So I tried to shut the door, but you can't lock open restrooms and so he got me oh no yeah and then he drove me to the parking lot of the high school and i literally watched my parents walk by oh my God. while i was in the car and it was like trying to get their attention and they didn't see me That's and scary. yeah and um yeah it was super weird and um oh i was pregnant in my dream uh-huh. and i was like i'm fucking like five months pregnant what are you thinking <laughs> like, and then it like cut forward to like whenever i was actually starting to like go through labor mm-hmm. and i was like what's your plan here <laughs> like are you gonna keep me <laughs> are you gonna make sure my baby lives like what's gonna happen and then my alarm went off oh wow Yep, so I've been thinking about that all day. So you get to write your own ending. <sighs> Say you got out. Me and the baby got out. And it was good. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll see how my book ends. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be reading that before bed. <laughs> you read happy stories. But I don't like reading. I just, I, I like certain books. Yeah. And they do give me nightmares because <laughs> I read right before bed. What are you going to do? Anyway, yep. that's how I'm doing. <laughs> uh, how was your week? How are your clients? Good. My clients are doing well. Yeah. They uh, don't let me sleep. <laughs> do they bark? Or? They, uh, so I have to be laying down okay. for them to like settle down. Um, so I go to bed at like 830. And they're in your room. Yeah. Okay. Are they in cages or anything? No, they're just on my bed. Okay. So if I'm not laying down, they just bark and bark and bark and bark. So I go to bed <clears> super <throat> early. Okay. They get into the trash. Oh. One day we came home 
and there was like coffee grounds everywhere mm-hmm. and they were just looking at me like i don't know what you can do about it <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're good and i yeah. love them uh fuji likes to eat trash and lick dishes trash and eater eat vomit and <laughs> roll and duck poop and dogs are just gross so they woke me up at like 7 30 which is if you know me is way earlier really than, early. I, than yeah. I wake up and one of them drank so much water and then i heard like this huge pile of dog vomit that luckily was clear because it was just water water, but it was like viscous yes it was so gross my dogs (laughs) don't do that so i was like why i don't know my dog doesn't do that either every very very rarely i'll get a watery throw up from a cat Oh yeah, but it's usually followed shortly thereafter by like a hairball throw up. Uh-huh. So I I think they're in t- they're in cahoots <laughs> with each other. They're related. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, Fuji. I think he's done that once where he drank too much. He threw up, but he doesn't like throwing up. So he learned his lesson. Oh, smart boy. Yeah, he's not in a very comfortable spot right now. <laughs> that's okay he little is, roadblock he's keeping my foot warm all right well oh we are on holy gossip girls i'm casey i'm Faye. what are you drinking i'm drinking water oh what I'm are drinking you drinking water too we just had frozen yogurt yes and so i'm like needing to wash it down yeah <laughs> i need water yeah i feel very thick in the in the mouth yeah thick mouth disease <laughs> That's so gross. I drank almost all of this. Wow. I drank dang. Not almost all of this. You're on a roll though. Almost halfway. Okay. Now. Now. Well. Well. I'm gonna tell you an unsolved murder. Okay. Just telling you that it's unsolved now. So I don't get my hopes up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to tell you about the murder of Robert Eric Woe. Wone? Juan. How, how should we say it? Wone. Wone. It looks more like a wone. Right? It's like one with a W in front. Yeah. Juan. One. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Maybe Juan. It might be Juan. Okay. I'm just going to say Juan. All right. All right. This first section is called, let's talk about the victim. Nope. Fuji wants to talk about the victim, too. He really wants to talk about the victim. Robert Eric Juan was born June 1st, 1974. He was 32 years old when he was killed. Aww. He was a fourth generation Chinese American, born in Manhattan and raised in Bro- Brooklyn, New York. After graduating from... Zaverian High School. He was valedictorian of his class. He attended W&M as a James Monroe Scholar. Ooh, James Monroe Scholar. He's like super smart. <clears throat> there, Juan met Joseph P- Price, then a senior, in the 1992-1993 academic year. A.K.A. the year we were born. year we were born. <laughs> uh, Juan and Price shared several activities, including an honor society and student government leadership positions. 
before Price graduated in 1993. Juan graduated from WM in 1996 and then received his Juris Doctor degree. I don't know what Juris is. Me either. <laughs> Probably something smart. Something smart. With honors from the University of Pennsylvania Law School in 1999. He subsequently served as a law clerk and later worked in commercial real estate law for six years as an attorney. As part of his public service responsibilities with the law firm, Juan served as general counsel for the Organization of Chinese Americans, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. On <laughs> Shuji, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh, jeez. Fuji. He's like, it's playtime. Aww. Fuji, you're so cute. I love him. (sighs) Yes. On June 7, 2003, Juan married Catherine Elaine Yu. Congratulations. And the couple lived in Fairfax County, Virginia. Juan was very active with the Asian American community, supporting organizations such as the OCA, the one that we talked about earlier, the Organization of Chinese Americans, and the Museum of Chinese in America. At the time of his death, he was president-elect of the Asian Pacific American Bar Association. That's really cool. So he's just like, here's a picture of him and his wife. Oh, he looks so happy. I know. He's just a smart fella. Yes. He's just like a super smart guy and he's involved in his Asian American community and he's just he's wholesome. Yeah, he's well-rounded and a good he's a pillar to the community. Yeah. Which is what people say about serial killers, but I mean it. <laughs> so, everything in his life seemed to be going great. Oh no. That was until one fateful night. Not a fateful night. Yeah. So, let me tell you about the crime. On late August 2nd, 2006, Robert Eric Wohn was fatally stabbed while staying overnight at a row house in the Logan Circle neighborhood of Washington, D.C., owned by Joseph Price and his domestic partner, Victor Zaborski, where they lived with Dylan Ward in a polyamorous relationship as a family. Wow. Progressive. Very progressive for 2006. Yeah. I feel like we hear about polyamory a lot in the last, I don't know, maybe eight years Mm -hmm. is like the, I guess maybe decade. (laughs) (laughs) I guess 2006 isn't that long ago, but I don't know. It seems progressive as hell to me. I hadn't heard of it for like until recently. Pretty recently. Mm. It's like super mainstream now. Yeah. Yeah. I remember whenever I first heard it, it, it was very, it was progressive to me. <laughs> like, I don't know, like 21 or 20 even. I was a very young person. <laughs> oh, the good old days. All right. Uh, Juan had gone to Price's residence at approximately 10.30 p.m. after working late, as had been arranged days before. Neighbors reported hearing a scream, later identified as Zaborski's, I don't know how, (laughs) uh, during the 11 p.m. newscast. So the neighbors remember it because it interrupted them watching the news. Mm. 
So um, Zaborski made a 911 call at 1149. So 49 minutes later. Wow. And paramedics arrived five minutes later, followed by the officers of the Metropolitan Police Department. Price phoned, Price phoned Juan's wife, and Juan was pronounced dead at George Washington University Hospital at 12.24 a.m. on August 3rd. Oh. Yes. But I like this guy. I know. Price, Zaborski, and Ward all initially spoke with the police without attorneys, and video recordings of those interviews were shown at the subsequent conspiracy trial. The three men denied any involvement in Juan's death and speculated that an intruder had killed him. Which, if they walked in, saw he was not dead yet, obviously, Uh because they didn't pronounce him dead on arrival. Uh... So he was stabbed. Like, why did it take them so long? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. The three also denied any sexual relationship with Juan, and Juan's family have described him as being both straight and happily married. And that comes up later. Okay. Um, all three men attended Juan's funeral, where Price served as pallbearer. Hmm. Future U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, who at the time worked at Juan's former employer, called Juan a kind and gentleman, gentle man who was killed in the most horrible of ways. That's so sad. So here's the investigation. Paramedics responded to the emergency call, uh, found the three residents... Oh, this is a quote. So the paramedics said they found the three residents' calm behavior unusual. None of them were screaming or even helping direct the paramedics. Oh, wow. They were just, like, standing there. That's suspicious. According to Ward's attorney, detectives who interrogated the three housemates on the night of the murder informed them that they were the main suspects in the case and asked many sexually charged accusatory questions. Three days after the murder, the gay and lesbian liaison unit of the MPDC were called in, but unit head Sergeant Brett Person declined to discuss the unit's involvement. That's weird. Super weird. (laughs) Like, they got called in, and then they just left. That's pretty sure. That's suspicious. It's all just very odd. It is. Within two weeks of the murder, police publicly alleged that the crime scene had been tampered with. I don't know why. (laughs) Investigators spent more than three weeks examining the row house in detail. They removed flooring, pieces of the walls, a chunk of the staircase, (laughs) the washing machine, and even sink traps. Huh. For blood? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Or trying to find blood. Yeah. Allegations that the area around Juan's body had been cleaned were revealed in an affidavit in support of a search warrant for Price's work office. Which, I don't know, that part I didn't really understand. So they did a search of his office and that proved that the area around the body had been cleaned? That doesn't make sense. How? (laughs) Did he have a receipt? (laughs) <laughs> the cleaning lady came he, in he wrote it down on a notepad <laughs> cleaned up it's just so bizarre 
All right, let's get into some hot goss. Oh, yeah. Three months after Juan's death, Price's brother, Michael, and an accomplice named Phelps Collins burgled the Swan Street residence. Why? (laughs) They took more than $7,000 in electronic equipment. In 2007, the MPDC revealed that they had been preparing to make an arrest in the Juan murder case in 2006, but that the burglary had derailed those plans. Oh, They didn't actually ever make an arrest. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. More hot goss. In August 2007, the Washington Post reported the frustration of Juan's widow, Catherine Juan, with the FBI crime lab. She said, quote, it has been trying at times as we continue to wait for the FBI to complete their analysis of all the samples that were taken. So she's like frustrated. Yeah. Over one year, the case had been transferred to three separate prosecutors, earning it a vagabond status in the U.S. Attorney's Office. On the, what does that mean? I don't know. Vagabond. Vagabond. Um, on the one-year anniversary of Juan's death, Catherine held a press conference to appeal to the public, uh, to appeal for public assistance. In Finding the Killer, her first public comment on the case. During the press conference, she publicly pleaded with Price, Zaborski, and Ward to provide additional information, saying, You need to ask yourself, have I provided police with all the information I know? That's so sad for her. Yeah, and so calm of her. Yeah. (laughs) A year later. I'd be lashing out. Yeah. Interested parties such as the Organization of Chinese Americans used the first anniversary of Juan's death to criticize what they deemed police inaction in the investigation. What's new? Yeah. Sad. So this section's called Arrests, I guess. (laughs) Can't wait to hear it. In October 2008, an obstruction of justice charge was filed against housemate Dylan Ward, who had since moved to Florida and was living in a home owned by Price. In November 2008, Price and Zaborski were arrested and also charged with obstruction of justice. All three men were later released pending trial, but subject to electronic monitoring and curfews. On December 19, 2008, additional charges of conspiracy were filed against all three men. Hmm. The affidavit filed by authorities supporting the arrest warrant for Ward showed that investigators had concluded the men were not telling the truth about what happened. Uh-oh. The report states, quote, The evidence demonstrate that Robert Wone was restrained, incapacitated, sexually assaulted, and murdered. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's terrible. Which, uh, I mean, yeah. And there exists overwhelming evidence far in excess of probable cause that Price, Zaborski, and Ward had obstructed justice by altering the and orchestrating the crime scene, planting evidence, delaying the reporting of the murder to authorities, and lying to the police about the true circumstances of the murder. But I don't think they can prove any of it. That's so sad. 
Yeah. Wait, going back, how did they know it was the one guy screaming? I they didn't say. They just they just knew. <laughs> they were like, yeah, that sounded like him. <laughs> Maybe they made them all scream from other rooms. <laughs> but then wouldn't you? Because then you wouldn't know if it's the the murdered. Yeah, you would think that they would assume that it was the murdered. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. So, lawyers of the three accused men have called the affidavit speculation, innuendo, assumptions, and irrelevant inflammatory comments. <laughs> that is like... They got out their thesaurus. <laughs> went through words. Yeah. <laughs> um, and maintained that their client... Uh, of their client's innocence. Price and Zaborski were domestic partners, and the affidavit alleged that alleges that Price had previously had a sexual relationship with Ward. Okay. <laughs> we already knew that. Uh, Washington attorney Dale Sanders' opinion that the release of the extensively detailed affidavit was intended to turn one of the housemates presumably ward against the others and hypothesized that it indicated prosecutors lacked sufficient evidence to charge any of the housemates with additional crimes without the cooperation of a witness. So they came out with this thing that was like blasphemous, <laughs> just like <laughs> taking every thing they could and like throwing it at them in hopes that one of them would cave. Yeah. And nobody did. That's too bad. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just so curious. Yeah. Curiouser and curiouser. Gotta be frustrating for the family. Yeah. And, I, and I'm and i still, like, if one of them, like, if they were all there, mm -hmm. one of them had to have seen something. Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of, they didn't really say who was in the house at the time, but they said all three of them were there whenever the police arrived five minutes later. So if he shows up at 1030, mm -hmm. he gets murdered between 1030 and 1149. Mm -hmm. And they're all four of them are in the house. And they're trying to say somebody broke in and stabbed him. That's weird. Without anybody else noticing. Was, we were all in the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> We're all having a three-way upstairs <laughs> like we do every night. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. Okay. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Hello. So. <laughs> Story's such a bummer. <laughs> All right. Officials believe that a knife from the kitchen had been smeared with blood and placed near the body, while a duplicate knife <laughs> <laughs> that was missing from the set was found in Ward's bedroom and would have been more consistent with the wounds. Wait. Well, a duplicate of the knife that was missing. If it was a duplicate, why would they say it was more consistent with the wounds? Maybe they were like nicks on the blade or something. Mm, maybe. That's weird. Why would you smear a knife that you didn't use? I don't know. <laughs> you just leave the one you did use. <laughs> I 
even if it's from your kitchen yeah that doesn't mean that somebody didn't couldn't have broken in and grabbed one of your knives yeah so unprepared yeah um the autopsy revealed evidence of the same degree oh sorry of some degree of suffocation perhaps by a pillow and puncture marks on his neck chest foot and hand chupacabra (laughs) though no toxins were found in his blood a lack of evidence of struggle led investigators to suspect Juan had been injected with a paralytic agent. Oh. Cadaver dogs, this is interesting, found blood. Sorry, cadaver dogs found a blood residue in a dryer lint trap and the patio drain, which detectives believe may be evidence of someone washing themselves in the back patio area and drying their wet clothes in the dryer. Huh. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Washington City paper columnist Jason Cherkis 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 reported unattributed criticism of the medical examiner's failure to test for exotic drugs and to keep a sample of Juan's blood for later testing, as well as detectives' failure to follow up on the lint trap that had attracted the cadaver dog's attention. They didn't follow up on that? No. Oh my god. (laughs) They took the washing machine, but they didn't take the lint trap? That's so stupid. (laughs) They took part of the fucking staircase. (laughs) (laughs) The lint trap? (laughs) Come on! Oh my god. Police are in on it. (laughs) They did a bad job. (laughs) In April 2009, prosecutors disclosed, dis- oh my gosh, disclosed that two emails had been drafted on Juan's BlackBerry at a time when prosecutors believed Juan dead. Uh-oh. I miss BlackBerry. Did you have one? I did. It was all pink. Because you could buy parts for it. Okay. You just take it apart and put new parts on it. Oh. So mine had like a pink keyboard and a pink rollerball, Aww. a pink case. It was so cool. <laughs> I had this phone called the Walkman, I think, uh-huh. and it was a slidey phone, and it would slide up just a little bit, and it had a keyboard like maybe an inch tall, <laughs> but it had all the keys in it, and I would, no, it didn't. No, that was whenever we had T9. Oh, yeah. But the the keys were very, very thin and narrow, uh-huh. and I would be like, and I would snap the keys oh, no. on accident with my fingernails Oh because wow. I was texting so much. <laughs> and then we would wait a year and then I'd get a replacement for free. Oh. And I think I replaced that phone like three times. Really? Just because I kept snapping the, <laughs> the keys. But it was so cool because it was like the first phone pre-iPhone that you could put music on. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why they called it the Walkman. That's awesome. So I was like the person that had music on their phone. Ooh. That was me. Didn't have an iPod, <laughs> but I had a Walkman. I think I had an MP3 player. I did too. Yeah. It was little. It was like that big. Also pink. Oh, I, I like don't, pink. I don't know what color mine was. Probably like <laughs> black or something. I remember I... <laughs> God, this is so stupid and embarrassing. I thought... Do you remember that guy, Cody Madrell? Uh-huh. I had like the hugest crush on him. Like... <laughs> The giantest obsessivist crush that I that I had in middle school was uh-huh. on him. 
And I had this idea because he liked Weird Al Yankovic. Uh-huh. So I downloaded all of his songs <laughs> and put them all on my MP3 player. And my thought in my head was that I was going to run down the hallway and be like, here, take this. Somebody's trying to get it from me or like a teacher's trying to take it away. Put it in your pocket uh-huh. and then like run away and that he would listen to it. And be like, wow, she likes Weird Al Yankovic, too. <laughs> I love that. Just like, stupidest thing. You never tried it? No. <laughs> it might have worked. Now, I ended up, like, kind of dating him in freshman year. And, it, like, I just don't think you should ever date your crushes <laughs> whenever you're that obsessed with them. Because uh-huh. it's never what you think it is. Oh, yeah. Like, you build it up in your head way too much. Because <laughs> it's, like, a huge letdown. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> we dated for, like, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> why was I so obsessed with him? <laughs> and I was. I had this, like... <laughs> <laughs> a floppy disk that <laughs> I like drew all over in hearts and I'd plug it into my parents computer and use it as a diary and just Aww. talk about his hair and <laughs> oh cute I was ridiculous <sighs> I love Gosh, it floppy disk really That's I didn't really even know old. we were in the time of floppy disks I think I did it because of that. Oh. Like, we still had computers that had floppy disk uh-huh. trays or whatever, but we had moved on to USBs uh-huh. um, by then. But I was like, I'm going to do that, and nobody's ever going to, even though it's, like, <laughs> humongous and has hearts all over it. <laughs> I wonder if you still have it somewhere. Probably not. <laughs> I, I'm, like, really bad at keeping stuff, stupid stuff like that. That is really funny. <laughs> And I love it. <laughs> Did you ever do anything embarrassing about a crush? Huh. Did you keep a diary? I never really had, like, big crushes, like, in middle school or high school. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know. That was, like, my biggest one in middle school yeah. was him. And I was just really in love with him. <laughs> but then there was also... I was crushing this guy that worked at Skate City uh-huh. whenever we used to go there all the time. Probably way too old for you. Way too old for me. <laughs> and nothing ever happened because yeah. he's an adult and he knows better. I mean, mm-hmm. he was probably like 16 and I was probably like 14. <laughs> but he knew better. He didn't ever flirt with any of the girls, even though every other guy that worked there did, uh-huh. which is disgusting to Very think creepy. about. Because we were 14. And we were kind of the on the older. Yeah. There were girls there who were like 12. That's so creepy. And they'd wear like, ugh. <laughs> like really creepy. Anyway, um, yeah, his name was Nick and I was just in love with him. Uh-huh. I wanted to become a good skater to like impress him <laughs> and like all this stuff. And he was really cool. Like we'd stop at the DJ booth and request songs and stuff and and, like, he was nice to us and everything. Uh-huh. Um, and his brother would go, too. And his brother was younger than us, and he was really cute. But anyway, I had a huge crush on him. So after I, like, graduated high school, I found him again. We, like, reconnected. Uh-huh. And he was in the military, I think, in the Air Force. And he was stationed in, like, Germany or something. Uh-huh. And we started talking and texting and blah, blah, blah. And then it kind of fizzled out. And then, like, a year after that, 
he started talking to me uh-huh. and then we started talking and texting and he was like, I'm actually coming home to visit. I'd like to see you. And I was like, okay. So he came home to visit uh-huh. and we had adult hangout time <laughs> and I had built it up so much in my head after crushing on him for so many years. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, like a, another huge letdown. Really? Yeah. And I'm sure he was let down, too, because I was fucking let down. I was just like, <laughs> this isn't that great. Like, I don't really like you that much. Like, yeah. we don't have that much in common at all. <laughs> like, I I'm not down for this. And I don't even think we said goodbye. Like, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know whenever I'm leaving. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> like, just Do it. Stop then. talking to him. <laughs> we both ghosted each other. Like, that's how bad it was. That's hilarious. Yeah. And it wasn't even that, like, the intimate parts were, like, unpleasant. Uh-huh. It's just, like, I I just had built it up too much. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So, that's my advice. Don't ever date your crush. <laughs> <laughs> if you can avoid it. <laughs> All right. Back to this Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tangent. <laughs> that was a lot. We needed a little break, though. Yeah. All right. So... Um, let's see. An independent criminal law attorney noted the defense will argue that this is consistent with their claim that the murder happened quickly. So they're talking about the emails that were drafted. Mm-hmm. So the uh, murder happened quickly by an intruder and it was not a long drown out effort to sexually assault Juan before he was killed as the government is alleging. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> So they're saying, like, he had time to draft emails between 1030 and 1145. Mm-hmm. They didn't say when. Um, so they're saying maybe he died closer to 1145, uh-huh. which would be consistent with the break-in theory, I guess. Huh. I don't know. Formal defense in the conspiracy case began on June 17, 2010, and concluded without any of the defendants testifying. On June 29, Judge Lynn Leibovitz found each of the three men not guilty of charges of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and tampering of evidence. In explaining her ruling for almost an hour... She stated that she personally believed that the men knew who killed him, but was not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that they committed the offenses. Huh. Which is kind of what your job is as a judge. Yeah. Um, on November 25th, 2008, Juan's widow, Catherine, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Price, Zaborski, and Ward, largely based on the police affidavit. The lawsuit alleged defendants... negligent failure to rescue Robert after he was injured. Defendant's destruction of evidence um, of the murder and defendant's conspiracy to destroy evidence and obstruct the police investigation into Juan's murder. The suit was settled on August 3rd, 2011 for an undisclosed sum in agreement. Hmm. So, Nobody ever got arrested. Oh, beans. (laughs) The aftermath. Juan's death has proven to be one of the most mysterious homicide cases in Washington, D.C. history. 
Since Juan's death, multiple organizations have established scholarships and other memorials in his name. Okay, this is a huge list, including the Virginia Department of Social Services Robert E. Wan Award for Exemplary Service, the annual Robert E. Wan Judicial Clerkship and Internship Conference, the Robert E. Wan Fellowship of the Asian Pacific American Bar Association Educational Fund, <laughs> the Robert E. Wan Scholarship, the Robert E. Wan Memorial Trust, and the Robert E. Wan Clinical Fellowship. Wow. <sighs> <laughs> they established a lot of really good stuff in um education yeah which good is for him. yeah a way way to way to impact the world oh on october 22nd 2011 family and friends gathered at barksdale field at the college of william and mary wnm where he went to college and dedicated two benches and two chinese pistache trees in juan's memory the plaques on the benches read, rest a while and enjoy the wonderful world around you. I love that. Which is a reference to Juan's favorite song by Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World. This guy is just like all around wholesome. He's wholesome in death. Yeah. Like, how? Oh my God. So sad. <laughs> what know. a loss. I know. Yeah. But also, like, I'm sure all of those things wouldn't have happened without his wife. Yeah. So, like, good for her, too. Good for her. Yeah. To be, like, in that devastating time where you're a widow but still pushed to do so much good. Yeah. Like, <sighs> wow. Anyway, my sources are Wikipedia. <laughs> so sad. It is a very sad story. Um, But, like I said, a lot of... A lot of really good stuff in education came out of it. That's good. Yeah. That would be, like, if you have to die. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to get murdered. Yeah. At least some good came of it. I mean, the world would be better off if he didn't get murdered. Yeah, very sure. true. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was it. Oh, Thoughts? Anything else? Um, <laughs> I'm really proud of his wife. Me too. Yeah. And, I mean, there obviously wasn't enough evidence to charge those three men. Yeah. So. That's the legal system for you. Yeah. So, I, I don't know if they did it. I can't imagine. I just, if all of those things did happen to him, he was strangled by a pillow. He was stabbed in multiple places. He... Like, all these different things. There's no way it was, like, a quick thing. Yeah. And I feel like the not struggling bit could have been because he knew the people attacking him. That's true. But I don't know. If Michael came at me with a pillow was trying to <laughs> like smother me, I'd probably die back. So maybe not. <laughs> like, with a pillow and, a, like, a knife. <laughs> Shh. You're just like, okay. Don't struggle. <laughs> I'm like, all right, fine. I love you. I trust you. I trust you not to kill me. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. So Sad. maybe not. Maybe not. So we don't know. But it is weird. Say say they were all there. And mm -hmm. they were all upstairs because it was late. Yeah. Or where. I don't know how this house is. Maybe they were all in a bedroom. Mm -hmm. And Juan was, I don't know, in the kitchen. 
making a tuna sandwich or something. Yeah. And somebody did come in, do all these horrible things, and then leave. First of all, why? Yeah, really. (laughs) He really wanted the tuna sandwich. For what reason? (laughs) And then, second of all, there was no, like, he didn't even, like, make a noise. Yeah. He he was just, like, completely silent and was like, it's my time. Like, they wouldn't have heard him at all. And then the person attacking leaves and, like, slams the door. And then that's why they come downstairs and are like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You've been stabbed and suffocated. (laughs) You've been suffocated. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's just a very interesting case. It is. That I don't think they'll ever solve. So sad. There's just not enough evidence. Well, I hope whoever did it is suffering right now. Agreed. I hope they got long COVID. Yeah. And that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you think those three guys are still together? It said that two of them were. I think that third, the, I don't know. I think it said that two of them were living in a house in Florida. I wonder if the third is going to be like, okay, guys, they broke up with me. So I'm going to tell you the truth. Here's my polyamorous tell all. (laughs) I would read that. I would read that too. (laughs) All right. Well, follow us on social media. We are on Holy Gossip Girls on Facebook and Instagram at Girls Unholy on Twitter. And email us what you think happened at unholygossipgirls at gmail.com. And, uh, for $4.99 a month, you can become a paid subscriber to get access to ad-free bonus content on the 1st and 15th of every single month. What a bargain. And you could do that by following the link in the show notes. All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.